Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very grateful to be talking to Dr. James Hoffman. And James was a former professor of exercise science at Temple University, and he earned his PhD in sport physiology. You can find James at the RP website. Is that right? What's the address there? Is it just www? Yeah, it's a mouthful. It's renaissanceperiodization.com. We just jokingly call it RP just to make it easy. But either cool. way, uh, cool. renaissance periodization. I'll put the link in the comments below so you guys can go and check uh, James's stuff out. So I'm talking to James today about recovery from training. And we're just going to go sort of into the first question, which is, really what are the the benefits of recovering properly what can people benefit from re good recovery strategies yeah well th first of all thanks for having me on glad to be here talking with you um recovery is kind of a a real spicy interesting topic because a lot of people pursue this idea of like i need to recover more from my training when the reality is, is like they might not actually be needing to do that. What they might actually need to do is maybe just do a better job with their training in general or maybe a better job with some other things. So it's kind of this funny thing like tit for tat, chicken or the egg kind of problem. But we do know for sure that if you start looking at your recovery strategies a little bit firmer, a little bit more thoughtfully, you can start to get a lot more out of the training that you're doing and potentially even put in more training, whether that's more volume, like if you're a bodybuilder and you wanna do more training in general, or more intensity if you're a sporting athlete, right? Having all these different recovery strategies in line will help you get more of the training that you're doing and allow you to potentially do more and benefit from more of that same training. So there's a lot there. It's a lot of really cool, interesting stuff. And I think for me, what was really interesting when we looked into some of these recovery strategies was how much they tend to kind of converge into some really simple ideas. Because when you first look at recovery, it's like, holy shit, there's like 40 different things just off the, the first Google search you do. What, how, how do I narrow this down, right? Well, the cool thing is, is like as you kind of look at deeper and deeper, they all kind of narrow into these very simple ideas. And in exercise and sports science, we kind of jokingly say, we do really simple things for complex reasons. And this is one of those kind of instances where the fundamentals that like your high school or, you know, primary school coaches probably told you, you know, like make sure you sleep, make sure you eat well, make sure you train hard. Pretty basic advice, but it turns out those are probably the most important things that you could do, right? So that's kind of the funny thing. And so as scientists, we look into the reasons why, but we tend to converge into kind of some of those basic ideas more often than not. Cool. Okay. So with regards to um, recovery strategies, when I've seen you talk, you've spoke about methods that have uh, strong sort of evidence to support them and you used a traffic light system. So your green was like, these are really cool. Go ahead with these, keep on practicing. There's a lot of evidence to say that this is what you should be you know, following. Uh, can we just go through some of those green light ones? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the, the talk that we he, he's referencing was kind of how do you critically think about some of these things? How do I kind of um, assess some of these things with the evidence that's available? And so one of the things that we looked at was things that were just good to go. Like you don't have to really second guess yourself too much on these things, things that have a lot of either scientific evidence and or uh, evidence in the field or hopefully the strongest combination of both. And there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, the first most obvious one is sleep, right? We hear about sleep all the time. There's numerous books on sleep. There's an excellent uh, book uh, from Dr. Matthew Walker on sleep that I highly recommend. And that is one that is so well documented. It's actually better described 
not so much as sleep as a benefit, but lack of sleep as a detriment, right? That's how well established it is. It's not so much like you need to get sleep for these benefits. It's if you don't sleep, you have these problems. So that's one that's just very hard to for anybody to debate. Some other ones that are like just totally good to go. Nutrition stuff, right? Like calories, macros. These are things that we have beaten to death. There's absolutely no way to refute that like putting somebody at maintenance calories or hypercaloric uh, states is very, very good for the recovery and vice versa. Putting them in a hypocaloric state is not as good for their recovery. I mean, these are just hands down really easy things. Now, within nutrition, there are some more debatable or less important things, but things like calories and macronutrients it's, can't go wrong. And then, of course, we kind of get into like our training stuff. And for us, although it's not necessarily something that you can PubMed search or Google search, the volume landmarks, and that's something that Mike and I, Dr. Mike and I have kind of, I guess, coined as a term, are probably one of the most well-documented uh, indirect things that we've looked at in training. And so the volume landmarks is basically our version of what is called dose-response relationships in training, basically meaning if you modify volume in training, what happens, right? And so the volume of training is probably most related to a lot of the fitness that you get, but also the fatigue that you generate from that fitness, that training. And so what we found is that if you want to recover better, one of the easiest ways to do that is just take the volume down. And that's like an immediate positive effect. So if you find yourself kind of in an overreach state that you, you didn't really plan on being in, or you're just kind of starting to teeter into maybe non-functional overreaching overtraining syndrome, one of the quickest and easiest fixes, hands down, green light, can't go wrong do less and slowly but surely you'll start to recover more and more there are some other cool things that are like you know pretty pretty well established but i think in terms of what are like some just basic ones that you cannot really even dispute nobody's going to come back and be like you know i heard dr hoffman talking about sleep and he's full of shit it's just not going to happen it's just not going to happen right and so those are usually things the and that's kind of what i was joking about your primary school teacher saying like train well eat well sleep well like Turns out those are probably the most well-established and most important things, like do a good job managing your training, make sure you're eating enough relative to your goals and your workloads, and make sure you're resting enough. Boom. Can't go wrong. Nice. And then we move on to some of the, let's say, uh, hopeful, I think was, you know, uh, promising, let's say, uh, you know, uh, there's stuff there to suggest that it's a good sort of method of recovery, but you know, we're hopeful that some, you know, something will come from it. So those amber light uh, methods that you referred to. So what, what are some of those that we can look at? What sort of methods uh, fall into that category? Yeah, there's a bunch of things that I would kind of clump into this category and there's I would kind of maybe split this into maybe two subcategories where we have things that work, but maybe don't work for the reasons why we think they do. So there's an effect there, but it might be explained by something else entirely than what the actual thing that you're doing is, which is kind of a weird way of thinking about it. And then we have other things uh, which are in this category, which is literally, we just don't know quite enough. Maybe there's a trend towards looking good, maybe a trend towards looking bad, but we're just not sure at the moment we really can't say definitively so a couple interesting ones kind of in this area that are um, included in some of the recovery stuff that we've talked about is um, things like massage massage is like a really weird one because most people think it's like a godsend it's the recovery thing to do but when you look at it there's not really a lot there in terms of things that promote physical recovery there is some stuff there that suggests it promotes psychological recovery mm. but it also can be possibly explained by a couple other methods. The first one just being relaxation. Like how often throughout your day do you get to just like lay flat, 
totally relaxed, no computer, no phone, nobody chirping in your ear, right? You get to lay, just lay flat, relax, and then you also benefit from things like social support and compassionate touch. So that's like three modalities in one. So is it really that you're getting a massage or is it maybe that you're just taking some me time to relax throughout the day? I would argue it's probably the latter rather mm -hmm. than the actual massage. So it's kind of like a maybe gray area. There's something there, but we're not entirely sure what's going on. Okay. There's some other kind of spicy ones out there. The one that I really like that's a big – and I'm, I, try, I have to be careful because I'm very biased in this, <laughs> on this one because I, I, I think it's good, but I can't okay. state that it's good definitively is um, dynamic compression, which is uh, – you might have seen like the Normatec recovery device, which is um, like the big kind of snow puff pants or puff arms that people are wearing. Like you see NBA players doing it. You mm -hmm. see all sorts of famous athletes doing it. Uh, basically, it's the same idea of wearing a compression sleeve that you would like put on your elbow or yeah. your knee or something like that, except it uses a uh, pneumatic compression device, which uses um, peristaltic motion. So it basically fills the chamber with air and compresses it in like a peristaltic way, very much like how your intestines process food and pushes it out, right? Same idea, and it just pushes waves of compression through the limb. So what we have found is that static compression, meaning like putting on a sleeve, is very well documented, tends to work very well. Mm -hmm. The effect size is just really small. So it's not like um, nothing to write home to mom about. It's just something that you can do. It's well documented, but it doesn't have a big effect. So what about the dynamic compression? Well, you get a bigger effect there because now you're having a, a, an actual air compressed device managing the pressure. But there's just not that much evidence on it. There's maybe like three or four papers at the moment. And for us as uh, scientists, we would probably want to see that closer to 100 if it was like a traditional science. And exercise science and sports science, we're uh, you know, a relatively young and emerging field. So we, we'd be happy with like 10 to 20. We'd be, we'd be more confident saying, okay, there's 10 to 20 papers. The majority of them are showing this trend. I feel pretty good about that. But when you only have like three or four, it's very difficult to make any really good conclusions or recommendations. So that's one of those kind of amber ones where we say it's looking good, but we just don't know. And it's hard to like, to, 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 to in good faith for, for me to say, you should be doing this. This is something that's a must do thing. We're not quite there yet. Maybe we get there, maybe not. Okay. So those are just some really easy ones. Yeah. And then we move on to the red zone where uh, it's, would you say, there's methods that are actually going to be detrimental to recovery? Yeah. So the red zone would be kind of anything that's just, I would say, a net neutral, meaning not doing anything. Maybe it's mm -hmm. not good. Maybe it's not bad either. It's just mm -hmm. you're doing something and it's not a good use of your time all the way to something being potentially detrimental, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's actually taking away what you want, the outcome measurements. What you want to get is improved recovery, meaning you can get back to normal faster, or you want improved performance, right? There are some of those methods out there that people are doing, which actually can take away from one or even both, right? So that's would be a total eh, no thank you. So in this category, we'd be looking at things from maybe no effect or trending towards negative all the way to definitely negative. And there's a couple like really easy ones. The one I probably hate the most and it was in the amber for me for a while, and now I'm actually confidently shifting it to the red, is uh, cupping. <laughs> cupping is one where we didn't really know much about it. There is a few uh, papers that really are starting to suggest it's not good. It doesn't seem to do anything. Potentially can actually be worse for you in some cases. Mm. The worst comes from the actual just time spent, like you're just doing something that doesn't do anything for you. But it actually just inflicts trauma on the actual patient, right? Mm. So instead of taking fatigue or trauma away, right, which is kind of more of the in line with the idea of recovery, it's actually inflicting bruising, burning, 
problems on the skin, right? So and it's not a huge, I wouldn't say it's like a huge negative in terms of the, the bad things that you could be doing, but it's definitely not a positive. And so that one I have had in the amber for a while, a few more papers came out and I put my arms up in victory and then shifted it over because it confirmed my bias, which is maybe not, maybe not the best way to be a scientist, but it did <laughs> confirm what I suspected. So I feel happy moving that over. There's some other kind of more easy ones to think about. Uh, a lot of people have traditionally thought that cardio, like doing um, hard cardio training, mm. somehow improved your like session to session or week to week recovery. And in some small instances, it can. And that's usually just from being like a deconditioned or just not having a very strong work capacity. And that's, that's, that's more of like just you're just out of shape at that point. Again, that's more of a training problem than a recovery problem, right? You're just out of shape. It's not that you need the cardio, just that you just need to get in better shape, homie, right? Um, but what we have found, right, so if you do a lot of cardio cardio, and I don't mean just like taking a light you know, walk or like a neat style activity. But if you're doing hard cardio, that directly negatively impacts your recovery and your training because what is it? It's actually overload training at that point, right? It's actually challenging on your local muscles that you're training. So if you're running, it's going to be like your legs and your hips. It's going to be cardiovascular challenging. So it's going to put an overload on your cardiovascular system. It's actually taking away recovery resources at that point. And it's not putting any back in. That's the funny thing. So it doesn't actually add any recovery value. It simply takes them away. So in that regard, if you don't need uh, a lot of cardio or more cardio than you already have, adding cardio for the sake of recovery actually is a net negative. It's taking away any uh, resources that could have been used for recovery. Not, not taking away all of them, but some of them, right? So in that case, we'd say, that's no good. That's probably a bad use of your time. Okay, fantastic. And for so for you, uh, what's your sort of go-to um, method with recovery from your training? Um, are you just making sure that you're getting adequate sleep? Uh, your volume sort of landmarks are in place, deloading, uh, and those things that you mentioned in green. So, are you personally sort of what are you sort of entering into with these recovery modalities? Yeah, so there's a couple kind of like hardline ones that it's 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 hard to just not say right off the bat. So the volume landmarks we said in our book was our first choke point. There's no way around it. So if you're doing too much training from all the different training stuff that you're doing, there's just no way to fix that outside of doing less training, right? That's the problem. So that's an immediate choke point. So for me, that's I manage that very well. Uh, I do weight training six days a week. I do you know cardio walk. I do rucking. I do some running and I do some kickboxing. So it's a lot of stuff I have to manage. So I have to make sure my volumes are in check and I can uh, deload appropriately. Mm. So that's the first one is the volume stuff, right? Next, I'm like hell bent on sleep. The sleep is something that I've always been non-negotiable about. Even when I was young and uneducated, like when I was a college student, if there was a paper or something and I procrastinated and put it off until the night before, I was one of those people who would just say like, you know what, I'm taking the bad grade. I got to sleep. If I don't get the sleep, oh well, you know, just have to pay the price and be more prepared next time. Uh, so sleep is one that I'm really big on. The sleep exposure, the duration, the hygiene, those are ones that I think are kind of non-negotiable. And then after that, for somebody like me, I'm not a competitive athlete. I have no aspirations of being competitive anymore. After that, we can kind of be less rigid and we say like, okay, well, you're not an athlete. You don't have to have every little minute detail in order. So then the next thing is like, just don't have like a total shite lifestyle. Like just don't be a bum, right? Um, that's kind of the idea is like, don't get drunk all the time. Don't be wasted all the time. Don't, don't be getting into fights. Don't be staying up all night, you know, trying to live a fake ass rock star life there. If, if you're really, if you still have fitness aspirations and maybe you're not trying to be a bodybuilder, maybe you're not trying to be a competitive footy or rugby player, whatever it is, but you still want to do your best, 
Then we say, you, well, your lifestyle has to accommodate the rigors of that training. You need to make sure you're eating well, you're relaxing, you're managing your social life, you're managing your priorities, all of these things. So that's kind of what we move into the next is after you've got training, your sleep stuff managed, then we move into lifestyle, which can include things like taking deloads properly. How long are you doing your accumulation phases? Do you have good social support? Are you eating enough? Stuff like that. So basically, like, is your lifestyle in line with your goals? Now, what that also means is you have to be aware of the idea of trade-offs, right? And this is probably where I think most clients that we run into have this kind of problem where on the one hand, they want to push the hardest pace. They want to be getting the best results possible that they can. But at the same time, they want to live some balance of happiness in their lifestyle, which is a completely reasonable thought. Mm. And so they haven't thought through this idea of trade-offs where if I want everything to be perfect, that means you know my happiness potentially might go down in terms of other things in my life. And so if I want to go out with my mates and have a few pints at, you know once a week or something like that, that brings up my happiness, but it brings down my results a little bit, right? And so it's kind of like dials on a soundboard mm. You have to figure out this idea of trade-offs for yourself where you say, like, what is important in my lifestyle that's non-negotiable? What is really important in terms of my fitness goals? And how can I balance those in the right exact spot that makes me the most happy on the net? You know what I mean? That's mm. kind of the idea. Nice. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, that is all the questions that I have for you. Thank you very much for coming on and going through everything. Uh, it's been a pleasure awesome. talking with you. And um, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's been great. Thanks very much, James. Thank you so much. Okay.